Welcome to the Dodo Birds Podcast with Dano and Lil. Hey everybody, I'm your host Dano. And I'm your host Lil. And we want to welcome you guys to the first Dodo Birds Podcast. We're pretty excited to be doing this. You ready Lil to talk about some Dota 2? Oh, I am always down for some Dota 2. Good. Well, we have some great topics for you, but first, I think we just want to introduce ourselves. You know, my name is Dano. I go by Nightmare. That's my in-game name. Do you guys call that in-game name in, in Screen Dota? name. Screen in-game name. name. Okay. Well, I come from, uh, I'm, I'm semi-new to Dota. I don't know. It's hard because you look at time spans within Dota and you see people who have been playing for like six years. I've been now playing for nine months. And for a video game, that's pretty long. But within Dota, that's not long at all. Totally true, especially with the way media is with video games now and everybody, they're like, oh, this game is crap, and I waited 10 years for it, played it for two months, right? Um, Personally, I've been playing Dota since, like, 2007. Yeah, and that's that's crazy to me. I don't think I've ever played a game. I guess I've played, like, the NBA 2Ks, but it's kind of a new game every year. It's not Dota over and over, you know, it's not the same game over and over. But that's Dota. Every patch is a new game. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. They're kind of changing it and updating it, because that's pretty much what NBA is. They just change the overall player stats Update and stuff the like stats. that. Yeah. So to explain a little bit about more how I got to Dota, I've actually been into MOBAs for the past, like, two or three years. I started out with a cellular MOBA game. It's called Vainglory. Probably never heard of it before, but it's actually a pretty good introductory MOBA for the genre, at least. But I got really into it. I'm a web developer for my career, so I actually built a stat website for it. I'm very analytical. I think that stuff's pretty in, in, you know, interesting and important if you want to get better in the game. So the stats website was really fun to run, and it was really interesting to get into. But I, it got pretty boring after a little bit. So I tried Here's the Storm, tried a little bit of League of Legends, watched a lot of Dota, and I got really into it after TI. TI is just amazing. TI6 I watched, and I was like, holy smoke. The production quality was awesome. The games were awesome. I was interested. Yeah, TI really brings the newcomers in. Because, first of all, how can you ignore the gigantic prize pool of the international? $24 million? And, you know, a lot of these guys, first of all, come from, like, third world countries. Second of all, like, that's more money that most people make in a lifetime. Yeah, and, and to take a game seriously enough like that, to actually have a big prize pool, it kind of validates yourself. You're like... Yeah, I can play games because somebody out there is making millions of dollars. So it makes me playing and wasting all this time kind of okay. That's right. Yeah. You go, you pro 20-year-old Dota 2 players. Yeah, yeah. That's my – I keep telling my wife that and, you know, one day she'll catch on. But until then, I'm going to keep on programming. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, I've been playing Dota 2, like I mentioned earlier, since probably about 2007. And uh, I got introduced when it was on the Warcraft 3 engine. And I just remember my brother coming up to me and he says, Hey, I see you like playing Warcraft. Have you applied Defense Against the Ancients? And I thought, no. He's like, oh, it's awesome. And so I tried it out. I said, dude, this game is actually pretty freaking sweet. Uh, You pretty much are an RPG player that restarts the game over and over and over again. And you work really hard to make your guy really awesome only to start over again. Uh, But that's that's the joy of it all, right? Starting over new and every game is different. I think that's what makes Dota such a replayable game is doesn't matter. It's always something new. What's funny, like going on those lines, is at the same time that I started playing Dota, I started playing Destiny. And you remember, because I was playing Destiny with you. Yes. But the thing was, is 
I just get busy with work, honestly. And Destiny was a game where the more time you put into it, you know, the farther you'd get, and I got left behind. I would do one or two hours every other night or maybe once a week, and you guys would play, like, every night. Every night. And so I couldn't play with you guys anymore because, honestly, you guys were just way too good. But Dota was really cool because it was... It didn't matter how much I played. Every single game, it was I could play with you because you guys start at the same level. Yeah, and I think that's what makes Dota uh, a lot different than other MOBAs that you see, like Heroes of the Storm or League of Legends, just because the game is literally 100% free. You have full access to all the heroes from game one. And you don't have to feel like, oh, I don't have the newest best hero or, you know, I don't have the, the new stats that make my guy better or whatever. Like... If you're new to the game, you're just as good as everybody else in the game as long as they're around the same skill level as you, which everybody is a huge rainbow of skill levels in Dota 2. Yeah, and the variety that you can just get within Dota. It was really impressive to me. The items, the drafting. Like I thought that was so boring when I first watched. I was like, why are we watching 30 minutes of them drafting? Why are we doing this? This is coming from the guy who like watches the NFL and NBA yes, drafts yes. like crazy. Exactly. I watch every single NFL draft, every single NBA draft, and I love it. But I couldn't understand why we were watching them pick these characters. I was like, why are we doing this? And after watching all of that TI, by the end, I was like, okay, this makes sense. This is awesome. And then I went and I was like, all right, League of Legends championships. Let's watch these drafts. And it was like, boop, 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 boop. And it was like, done. I was like, wow. No analysis needed. <laughs> wow. That was, yeah, they don't even talk about it. I was like, okay, I guess I can, I'll start playing Dota, you know, and, and try that. That seems a lot more interesting. And then even getting into actually going to TI this year, going to TI7, and you're just wondering what's the next pick? What's the next pick? And how important every single pick and ban is. And you just hear the crowd going crazy as soon as that pick's coming out. It's great. Yeah, and like Lo was just saying, you know, we went to TI7 this year, and it was a pretty awesome experience, and just getting actually in the crowd, which actually leads us to why we're doing this. On our drive back from Seattle, we thought, you know, I, I we, we're both really big into Reddit right now, and so looking at Reddit, we saw there's a lot of people who are interested in learning the game, and, you know, analyzing more about what's, you know, the intricacies of the game, and some of the theory behind it and stuff, and so... We kind of thought it'd be fun to do a podcast. There's not a lot of podcasts that actually just talk about the game and not just, you know, banter about our past games, but actually going into depth about certain things and characteristics. True. I, I noticed that there's a whole group of people out there, especially at this time after TI, who are interested in the game, hear about this huge, illustrious prize pool that's awaiting millions of people out there. And honestly, it's a grab bag of whoever is good enough can have a handle at the game. GH, for instance, has only been in like two or three premier tournaments, and he comes in and wins TI, the biggest esports tournament in the world. And so we decided, hey, there needs to be an easier way to introduce people to the game. And so this podcast really isn't for, you know, analyzing the best particular item for the best situation or the best hero picks or even analyzing pro games, because let's be honest, we're not pros. I have like hardly 4K MMR, so... Well, you're, you're beating me, you know, and I'm not the one to give advice either. I actually just hit a peak 966 MMR. Well, I only say that because I just calibrated. Nice. But yeah, I finally took the took the the plunge into uh, doing my MMR. I had to abandon twice. So I think that's why I got solo. I don't feel like I'm that bad at this game. 
but that's what knows? we all say. Yeah, that's I'm what... not that bad. Yeah. I know I'm better not than that this. Bad. <laughs> in theory, if I could play more, but I watch a lot of Twitch. That's where I that's where I make up. I don't get to play as much, but I watch a lot of Twitch. So that's what brings us to this podcast today. So we're, we're really going to take certain episodes and what we'd like to do is introduce new players to different mechanics in the game, but more specifically, probably focus on heroes. But today I think is going to be a little bit different for being our first podcast. We're going to focus a little bit more on positions and lanes and roles for heroes and players in the game. Yeah, and like Lo was saying, we're going to focus on topics. So for those who don't have any understanding about Dota at all, we're putting some links. So I've actually set up a dotabirds.com and if anybody wants to go there, we're going to put links to the things that we refer to. So if you have any questions about something that we may have uh, put on here that, you know, referring back to a game or something like that, please go to dotabirds.com or follow us at on Twitter at dotabirds. Uh, and just, you know, shout out to us. We'll post this on Reddit too. But really our goal isn't to teach you the basics of the game. So I put on there, for example, purges, um, you know, now you're starting Dota, you suck. That whole... Uh, great series, by the way. Yeah, it's great. And then the Day 9 series, I think is also great. I've learned a ton from Day 9 and Purge. So if you guys want to check that out, we do have the links on dotobirds.com. And so really all we ask, you know, we're not going to teach you all the basics. If you want, you should at least do the tutorials. Actually, just install the game. I remember when Dano came to me and said, hey, Lo, I installed Dodo 2. And I thought to myself, no, you didn't. Yes, he took that big step and installed the game. It felt huge. It really is. I mean, the game is gigantic. It takes like several hours to download and install. So if you can at least just get the game installed on your computer, you'll have that one friend that pushes you over the edge to play a game with. Yeah, and to get into our topic now, we want to talk a little bit about positions today. So... We've all played video games here, I imagine, you know, and so we just want to explain the positions that are included within Dota. And Lo, I think you're more fit to talk about this to start out. Right. But first, let's talk a little bit about the map. If you've ever played a MOBA before, you've probably noticed that there's always three lanes. A top lane, a middle lane, and a bottom lane. And there's a dire side and a radiant side. Basically, good guys and bad guys. We're going to take a look at the perspective of the bad guys. The middle lane is where you often see one hero or champion going down the middle and killing creeps by himself, getting all the gold and experience. This person becomes really big, really fast, and really powerful. But then you have the top lane, which is the safe lane if you're on Dire, or it's actually the off lane if you're on Radiant. And the bottom lane is the exact opposite, where the Radiant, it's the safe lane, and for the Dire, it's actually the off lane. And from the standpoint of a new player, this can be really confusing. I remember my first couple of games playing, I would often play in the off lane. And people would always tell me, go to the off lane. But every time I would switch sides, so top lane, bottom lane, it was confusing of which side actually was the off lane. But there's one time when I was playing on the radiant side, and I went up to the top lane, which was the off lane at that time, and it really hit me. My side was green and luscious, their side was dark and desolate. And once I pushed past the river, it made sense that I was on their side. That side was the safe lane because it had more area. That top left corner was the safe lane for the dire. And it really helped me to understand my position and positions in general. And positions are pretty important. Every game that you play, you have some sort of role. Whether you're doing a lot of damage, taking a lot of damage, or you're just healing people. In Dota, it's the exact same. You have your carries and you have your supports. And the carries go in each lane. Safe lane, mid lane, and off lane. 
and the supports are generally there helping one of the carries. In Heroes of the Storm, or HOTS, I have this thing called the HOTS condition, where every player that's on your team will always be the same level. So as you go through and you get more gold, you get more experience, everybody levels up together. So when you hit level 5, everybody on your team hits level 5. And so you're really, in the end, only as strong as your weakest player. Because if somebody's not getting any farm, they're not contributing to the whole as a team. And that's just a socialist MOBA right there. But on the other side, we could look at something a little bit different, which is the NBA. I'm a big sports person, so I like to do comparisons there. You know, you can look at a team like the 2007 Cavaliers. They had LeBron James, and LeBron James was the MVP. He was amazing. He carried his whole team. And when you look at the rest of his team, you had Larry Hughes, you had Drew Gooden, you had Ilgauskas, players who you probably have never heard of before, honestly. And these players somehow got to the NBA Finals, carried on the back of LeBron James. Let's all be honest. And LeBron James was amazing, but he still didn't win the finals. But that's the thing about the NBA. He could get there. And that's because it's run on star players. You look at League of Legends, for example, and the first name that probably comes to mind is SKT Faker. And that's because he's a really good player. He has really good mechanics, and he's won a lot of championships. He's just a hard carry. Now, Lo, what do you think? When you look at this, is Dota more of a here's the storm situation, or is it the LeBron James situation where you can just have a really hard carry to carry your whole team? Dota 2 is definitely somewhere in between because there have been multiple games where you see one super hard carry just go the whole game, destroying the other team, and you definitely say, yeah, that guy carried his whole team on his back. But especially in public games where you're just, hey, I want to play a casual game of Dota, I have never seen a more team-based game. I mean, every position is super important. I don't care if you're a support, position 5, I don't care if you're a 1, everybody is super important in the game, and if you don't do your role right, it can honestly just cost you the whole game, which is pretty tough because every game is around 45 minutes, and to waste 45 minutes on a loss, there's nothing that hurts more than that. Yeah, I totally agree. It sucks to play 45 minutes or an hour. I've played well over an hour on mini games and to lose, especially when you feel like you didn't do very good. Now, currently we're actually teaching one of our friends, Sharper, and the interesting thing about playing with him is, you know, he's starting out. So you'd think, okay, you're going to start out and playing a, a support position. That's just the easier way to start. But, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes into the game, our carry is almost level 20, he's at level 10, he looks and says, I'm useless. I'm a level 10, he's a level 20, and I can't do anything in the game, even though he's the support. Solo, having a little bit more experience, what do you do in this situation? You know, if you're sharper, you feel a little bit useless at this point. You're thinking, I'm so far behind in gold, he can just come up and sometimes just one-hit me. I'm just doing bad at this point. That's what it feels like. It feels like as a support, you're just doing bad. And as a new player, you don't want to feel that way because honestly, you just don't want to play anymore after games like that. So is he actually doing the right? And even though he's level, you know, 10 levels behind, is he doing okay? That's the thing. A lot of people will get to that position, feel just like Sharper and say, man, I'm so bad. I'm playing so bad. This game isn't fun anymore. Maybe I should just uninstall. But honestly, that happens all the time, even in pro matches. I mean, I remember watching one of the pro games I believe it was Frankfurt Major, or maybe it was even Manila Major, where there was a clockwork on one of the teams, and no joke, like 40 minutes in the game, this clockwork was still level 12. And it was like an ongoing joke throughout the tournament that, yeah, that's kind of just the role of that hero. He 
jumps into the middle of a fight, he disrupts everybody, he's the initiator, and so he just dies first. Doesn't get XP, gets barely any gold, loses gold because he dies, and that's just kind of the role of a support. You do what you can, and everything that you do is super important. So do as much as you can before you die, and then odds are you're not going to get a whole lot for yourself. But the important thing is you did what you needed to to accelerate your cores, and in the end, that's who you're supporting. So you just got to ask yourself, am I able to help my cores out and my carries by me dying here? Is that okay? Ultimately, we obviously don't want to die in any situation. That would be the ideal. If we can go 50 kills to zero kills, then probably won the game. Now, in that particular game with Sharper, was the game already over? Possibly. But how are his cores doing on his team? Were they doing okay? From what I remember, they had one guy on their team who was doing really, really amazing. And he was doing a hardcore carry. And you got to look at it and say, well, I guess this is one of those LeBron James situations where you should have one guy carrying your whole team. But like you said, you got in the pros these amazing players, you know, who really can be level 12 and they can make huge impacts in the whole scheme of the game. But that's where the interesting concept of positions comes in beyond just the labels of carry, you know, safe lane carry or mid lane or anything like that. You actually have numerical positions too, which I found it really interesting, especially because NBA does something similar, but... This reason is, is for a different reason, the one through five positions. Totally. Yeah, the one through five positions in Dota, I feel like specifically dictate how much gold and experience the player gets. You have your position one, which is generally your super hard carry. That guy needs to be babysat 100% of the first 15 minutes of the game. Need to make sure this guy gets every single last hit, gets all the farm and experience that he can possibly handle. That's your position one. Position two generally your mid laner, is something very similar. He's all by himself because he can take care of himself, but he gets all that gold and all that experience. He can't share it with anybody. That's generally why he doesn't have a support, because this hero is so good with farm and experience that he can carry the game from a two position. Your one's kind of that backup late game carry guy. Then you have your three position, who he's kind of off by himself sometimes. Sometimes there's a support there to help him out if he's getting bullied but he gets a lot of gold and a lot of farm as well. Then you have your four position, who really is just there to kind of wreak havoc. Maybe he helps his off laner, maybe he goes up and helps his safe laner. 3v2 is a lot better than 2v2, or maybe, hey, let's gank that guy in the middle, right? So there's kind of this one, two, three, four, and then the fifth position, who's really just the bottom gum shoe of your day. Doesn't get anything, you'd be lucky to get a last hit, Go stack some camps, put some wards up. Hey, if you don't deny or bully the guy out of the lane, then you're the worst player in the world. And honestly, that's kind of how it is if you're a position five. One thing I really liked from this last TI is one time I was listening to PPD talk, and he was talking about how sometimes he would be so far behind in gold, they would joke that he was position six. That he was just, you know, such a, he just didn't have any gold, any experience, that he didn't even belong in those five positions. Which I thought was kind of funny, you know, your example of it's kind of the bottom of the, you know, that gum on the bottom of your shoe, that they really don't need that experience. You know, you look back at Sharper's situation, he doesn't need the experience. He doesn't need the gold. They usually have things like clockwork where he can just run in, you know, and stun somebody. You know, he can initiate what he needs to or heal what he needs to save somebody, which really is useful. But then on the other spectrum, you can see from this last TI also Rezo, Resolution. Uh, from Team Empire. I thought it was really interesting a lot of his games. You know, one in particular, which I actually put onto DotaBirds.com, a clip of, it was the 128-minute game. 
and he played anti-mage. And by the end of it, he had three rapiers. He had spent so much money. I think they had done 18 roaches. But the whole time, he was carrying his team. He was just doing so much. And he, that's what he was. He was just this hard carry. He had so much money. And that's what they needed him to do. They just needed to be, him to be LeBron James. He did it against Weaver later on. But it's just different, the dynamics that teams will play in order to win the game. Yeah, and that's why Dota is such an interesting dynamic game. Because even throughout just one single tournament, the International 7, for example, the meta changed dramatically in the middle of the tournament. Now, we've been talking a lot about, oh, this specific role or this specific position goes to this specific lane, but that's something where you actually see change throughout the meta of the game, right? What is considered the most powerful positioning? What is considered the most powerful way to set up your team? And traditionally, it's been that two people in the top lane, two people in the bottom lane, and one guy in the middle lane. But throughout the International 7, teams started to realize, hey, this guy in the middle lane, he actually has a really huge impact. Maybe we actually should just send two people in the middle lane and we'll have our safe lane carry just kind of fend for himself. And you'd see that a lot in the International 7. Teams would actually do a ton of switching back and forth of, okay, who's the better matchup? Should I have my safe lane guy going against their off lane guy? Or maybe we should have this safe lane safe lane sort of matchup as far as positioning goes and there's actually a really awesome clip that we posted on dota birds between tnc and lfy from the international seven where you see these teams kind of doing this ring around the rosy who can get the better lane matchup because it's that big of a deal so for example in a game today that i was playing i was our position one carry i was ursa and they tried to counter me with a position three Razor. He was going to go off lane. They had like a Quap mid. They had a Lifestealer as their carry. And these are all heroes that you can go back and review. And we'll later make podcasts on them as well. But the main fact was Razor sucks damage. Ursa does tons of damage. Going up against him, I'm just not going to be able to do anything. But I knew if I go up against this Lifestealer who, hey, I can do a ton of damage to him and he can't do a ton of damage to me, I'll win the lane. So I remember specifically telling my team, hey, swap me, because if I go against this life stealer, I will literally carry us the game. And I'm not going to boast my own horn or anything. I'm not that great of a player, but I did go 15-0, and zero, and we won the game. That being said, it was like a 10-game losing streak, and it felt pretty good to win that game single-handedly. Oh, I can imagine. I bet that felt really good to do. So let's recap for a second. You know, let's do a little bit of a TLDR for those who are, you know, a little bit short attention span and yet have lasted how many minutes we've been into this podcast. But when you look at the whole grand scheme of things, you have your positions, right? You have your position one, which gets the most gold, which is usually your safe lane carry. You have position two, which is your mid laner. You have position three, which is usually your off lane initiator. You then have your position four, which we usually call the roaming support, or often we do. And then position five, which is the core support. Now, low. Let's say, you know, I'm in pretty low MMR right now, let's be honest. And sometimes I get into a game. And, you know, I'm trying to be a good player, so I'm trying to figure out what position I play. And the first person picks, and it's a sniper, obviously, you know. And then second pick comes up, and it's a viper. Cool. Sniper and viper, I guess. Interesting combo. Pick three comes out. It's a life stealer. I'm like, okay, we got a greedy team. And then pick four comes out, and it's an Ursa. What position am I playing? No, ten for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, though, I don't know where I'm picking here. What do, what do I do in this situation as a new player? Because you learn all this position stuff. And all of a sudden it gets thrown out the door because nobody, everybody's too greedy. Yeah, exactly. And you feel like, okay, 
do I take a position one now? Do I be another core and we can do this five core thing? Or should I be the team player and play support? And honestly, at that point, it's up to you. I mean, there are so many people at your skill level that one individual player at that point can make a huge difference. And whether that individual player is a core or a support really doesn't matter. I mean, yes, you're going to need somebody to buy support. Yes, you're going to need somebody to make those stuns in the team fight. Yes, you're going to need somebody to deal that damage. And yes, there's going to need to be somebody to take that damage. You got to kind of ask yourself in that situation, what do we have? I think that oftentimes crowd control is really important. Oftentimes vision is really important. And oftentimes healing is pretty important. Can you sustain team fights? And so there are a lot of factors that go into choosing the correct hero, even at those low MMRs. And so, Dano, the question is, what'd you do? Who'd you go with? What was your answer to this problem? Well, like any good low MMR player, I went with another core. Because, you know, I'm, I'm greedy like that, I guess. But, you know, you see that a lot. You have those cores that all come out, the five core. And I like to play what I like to call the courier core. Because, you know, when you have five cores, you all go out to your lanes and you go, crap. Who bought the courier? Nobody bought the courier. But guess what? I buy the courier. I'm the courier core, guys. New position. I'm calling it the courier core. You know, I'm, I can see it catching on. But until it does catch on, we'll stick with the current positions. So let's actually pick apart the positions a little bit and help people understand what they can do to actually impact the game no matter what position they're, they're currently playing. So let's start out and what makes a hard carry? Yeah, so we go back to, let's say, your game, for example, and you have this five-core strat, right? Everybody's a hard carry. Why, why can't everybody be a hard carry? If everyone is so good with all this farm and they're so powerful and strong and one person can take on the whole team by himself, why doesn't everybody just become that guy? Which is what a lot of people think in low MMR. I'll just be that guy. Well, in Dota and with most MOBAs in general, you have a map. And there's only so much stuff that you have access to on the map. And you need to make the best use of those resources that you possibly can with your team. And that's kind of where the meta comes in, right? What is the most effective use of the map? I need to make sure that whoever has the best use of farm gets all the farm. And whoever doesn't really need all of this golden experience doesn't have to have it. And that's where you have the positions kind of coming in. Right? Some heroes are just naturally good without having a lot of golden experience, while other heroes are naturally bad unless they have a ton of golden experience. And that's where these positions really get set in stone. Position 1, position 5. And that kind of reminds me of one of my favorite games from TI7. And it was when Miracle played Huskar and he was uh, on Team Liquid. I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, I totally remember that game. Yeah, it was a really great game. And it's funny because Huskar, we kind of have an inside joke where Huskar reminds us a lot of Russell Westbrook. Now, if you guys know Russell Westbrook, he currently plays for the Oklahoma Thunder, and he just won MVP. But the way he plays is really interesting because he's such a ball hog, to be quite honest. He gets these ridiculous stats, and everything has to revolve around him, honestly. So when you see him play, it's like, yeah, he's doing really good, but everything revolves around him. I feel like Huskar is kind of that same way. And especially in this game, when you see Miracle running around you know, the map with barely any health and he's just getting all these kills and he's doing really well, but he's Russell Westbrook, honestly. But the amazing part about this whole thing is it's only possible because of Kuroki. Kuroki's right behind him the whole time. It's it's kind of funny when you watch him just standing out there in the distance as Dazzle. And Dazzle, all he's there to do is heal him when he needs to and give him that life-saving uh, shallow grave yeah, when, when he needs it. And I thought it was hilarious, but it was so awesome to see this role 
at how they played them and how Kuroki really didn't care to he didn't get any farm I don't think you could barely see him on the map uh, on the video when he was out there but it was so interesting and it was a really cool uh, gameplay for them yeah totally uh, more on that match it was just interesting because classics matchup right like one of the most iconic duos in all of Dota Huskar and Dazzle uh, this guy who does incredibly well the less amount of health that he has and then this hero saving ability where you literally just cannot die for x amount of time right and it was just interesting that game because you'd see this huge russell westbrook of a player running around the map wherever he wants to go and you're just like look at this guy he's just he's just gonna fumble the ball all over the place he's just gonna lose it right no but then you notice just barely in the corner of the map of what the spectators are showing you is this little purple guy with his little staff raising it in the air just to save him in the, in the nick of time. And that's honestly something that you, you want to be able to replicate in pub matches. And it's just so hard. It's, it's amazing the amount of skill these pros have. And I guess that's what it comes down to is that it really comes down to the humility of saying we just want to win the match. You know, if you really just want to win the match, you're willing to do the karaoke play and just say, look. I don't need any type of glory. I'm fine being the dazzle to your Huskar. Yeah, Courier Core. Hashtag Courier Core. Well, I think in the end, with everything, you should have to remember to trust your teammates. Because without them, you're not going to win. It's true. It doesn't matter if you're Russian or Peruvian or you're NA Dota. Really, your teammates are all you have in the end. And so hopefully you can just take away something from this podcast to help you just feel a little bit better about your role and your position on the map. And if not, you can at least know people are suffering with you. Well, that's it for tonight's episode. Thanks so much for listening, and check us out on dodobirds.com. And follow us on Twitter at dodobirds.